BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is how to improve employee retention. Joining us today is Chris Cook, BDR trainer and head coach. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Matt, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here again. Uh, glad to have you. Your previous episodes have been some of our top performers, so I have no doubt that we're in for a great conversation today on employee retention. Outstanding. Glad to hear that. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into it and kind of a basic question for you, that, um, but I think a good starting point. Why is retention important to a business? For a couple of reasons. Um, it builds a successful company culture. It allows us to be the employer of choice as we build that out. And you know, ultimately, we want to maintain great relationships with both our teammates and our clients. And the, the longer our folks stay on board with our company, we build relationships with our customers and our clients, which allows us to again have great relationships with them and create repeat business and uh, and ultimately it reduces our risk right it, redu- it uh, increases productivity because people know what we do how we do things they know our processes and procedures and and the last part of it is and the best part uh, when we have great retention that we get to spend time with the people we want to be around people we enjoy people we want to be with well i love that last point there spend time with people we want to be around can you tell me a little bit more about uh, the thought there? Yeah, absolutely. And well, a big part of it is, is that, you know, we spend at least from Monday to Friday, we probably spend as many waking hours with the people we work with as we do with our families. And, and I want my work family to be people that I want to be with. We may not go out and hang out after hours or something like that, but, but certainly during the day, I want to be around folks that I can appreciate and that, and that make me, I uh, want to be a better version of me, right? They elevate all of us to do that. And and maintaining a good team of people is how we get that done. I've never thought about it that way, Chris, but it makes sense if if we're not having good retention and people are kind of coming and going, uh, it's hard to establish those relationships that, that actually lead to this, that feeling of enjoyment of being around people and lifting each other up. So that, that's a fantastic point. Uh, and and it's hard to to build a good company culture, right? Well, it, it it can be hard to build a great company culture, but maintaining it's fairly easy. And if we can hold on to the same people for a longer frame of time, and, and hopefully forever, we get that culture that we want to be a part of. Right on. Uh, you mentioned one other uh, term there that I wanted to explore briefly: ex- employer of choice. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what that refers to? Yeah, ultimately, we want to, what we want to become is within our within our given marketplace or cities or towns that we're in. I want to be that company that stands out above the crowd. I want to be that company that that everybody looks at and says, "That's where I want to work." You know, I, I want to build my skill set and hone myself to, to that's the company that I want to go to work for. It's the company that's got a a great culture. I I used to work with a service manager, and, and his term was swagger. Right? He, he said, "You can walk in the supply house, and I know we, we try hard to keep our service techs and." build professionals out of the supply houses, but but you you know when they walked into the supply house, you knew who they were. They they came in with a little bit of a swagger. They knew they were the best of the best. They were that employer of choice. And that's what I want all of our clients to become that in their market. I want them to be 
the company in their marketplace that's always striving to be better than everybody else and striving to be the best and that employees are looking at and going, that's where I want to work. That's the best place in our company. That's the best place in our market. And that's where I want to be. Yeah, that really becomes a game changer in this this challenging world we're in with uh, recruiting and, and retaining folks. And I, I can speak for BDR. We've benefited from that where we've had people that have had to wait to, to come join BDR. Like they've made that a career goal, but sometimes it's taken them a year or two years or, or more in some cases. That's exactly it. And, and BDR absolutely exemplifies that. We are 100% the employer of choice. We've got an amazing company culture. We, we live our values every day. We hire to our values every day. We, we have a mission that's out there and a vision and we all see it and we're all striving to be a, a part of something that's bigger than all of us are, right? And we as a whole allow that to happen and we are the employer of choice. And that's, I want that for every one of our clients just is to have that same thing. And you're right, there are, we've got folks that, that have come to work for us that, that have waited years to do that and have built their career around the chance to come to be, to, to be at BDR, to be a financial coach or a head coach or part of our administrative team. And it's amazing what that does. Yeah, I, I love that about BDR. So I feel like we may come back to the shared values, but I want to move on to a different perspective on retention here. We've, you've told us a lot about great things if we can get better at retention. Let's look at the other side. You know, what does it cost a business to lose an employee? It's a lot. Um, the the direct cost, meaning kind of the financial aspect of it, is anywhere between fifty percent and two hundred percent, or two times the salary of who we're replacing. If it's a say an administrative position that's making maybe thirty five thousand dollars a year or forty thousand dollars a year, if that person leaves our company, it's going to cost us somewhere around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to replace them. If it's a senior manager or an incredible revenue producer, maybe it's one of our lead installers, we could spend up to two times what they make a year in replacing them. And that and that's the direct cost of that. That's the revenue we lose. That's the things we lose along the way. But the indirect is so much greater than that. It, it's our lost time. It, let's say it, it's we are recording this podcast in July. So it's the middle of summer. It's busy in most of our markets. Let's say our dispatcher quits. Right. So now all of a sudden your other dispatcher, the rest of your team looks, walks in and says, oh, my gosh, I have to pick up all the work they were doing. So now they're stressed out. And now they're so there's that indirect cost of just the stress from that. But it's also now we as the management team, now we have to recruit. We have to hire. We have to train that new employee. We have the, the potential relationships that have to be rebuilt. Right. We talked before about employer cho choice and culture. Well, when that person leaves and we bring somebody else in, there's potential on both sides. One, they're going to escalate and take us to the next level, or somehow they manage to slip through the cracks a little bit and, and tell us all the things that we wanted to hear. And we bring them in and it turns out they're not who we thought they were. Now it hurts our culture, right? So now we have to start all over again if they don't fit in. And so it, it's the indirect cost is probably, probably the biggest thing that most of us see when somebody leaves an organization. Yeah. I just want to make a point too. We were highlighting the the positives of BDR with our, you know, our employer of choice aspects, but we go through these same challenges too. People come here and it doesn't work out and they leave. And we have to go through all these things you talked about of the stress, the, the lack of production, have, then having to spend time on finding a new person. And it's really, there's a opportunity cost when you lose somebody 
because now we can't do them those productive things that we were doing before we got to spend time either uh, covering up for the the workload of the person that left or or recruiting and finding that next person absolutely I mean, in from the from, from the production aspect of like you had said I mean we build a business plan every year and, and we encourage all of our clients to have a business plan every year so we base that off of X number of employees right or or why when we're looking to grow right we're adding people to that and, and when somebody leaves we have to backfill that you're right because we lose that opportunity if, if I'm planning on running four service calls a day with five service technicians well that's 20 service calls well if one of them leaves I still have 20 service calls as part of my budget, which means the rest of our team either has to step up and run those, which creates a stress for them, or we lose that opportunity. We lose that potential revenue. And, and there's a lot to that. And it's, it is a big part of it. And if we hire to our values and we do everything we can, we certainly minimize that risk. But there are times where people are professional interviewers and they are really good at getting brought into an organization and we bring them in and find out that's not who they really were. The other side of it is, is that, that institutional knowledge that we use, you know, our, our processes, our procedures, what are our habits, right? And we want our employees to have great habits. And when they leave, we risk that, you know, we, they, we lose that institutional knowledge is another big part of that. Oh, that is, that is huge. And I, I've lived through that one as a manager and that one's absolutely painful when somebody leaves and they take specialized knowledge with them that, that we hadn't captured. And then you have to kind of rebuild that you got to rebuild the, uh, what they were doing, how they were doing it. Yeah, that's a absolutely painful one. <laughs> and, and Matt, that's the right way to put it. it is absolutely painful. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, let's. I want to. We've talked about now values. You've brought that up a couple times and having shared values and looking for that. And and probably another episode for us to talk about. You know, the recruiting aspect of things and and how you find those people that match your values and and so on and so forth. But want to talk to the role of management and owners in in related to retention because a lot of times those that'll be the group that developed the company values, you know, and that really have to exemplify them. What's the role of a manager and owner related to retention? Well, no pun intended, but we have to own it. Um, it, it's our responsibility to do that. We we set the culture, right? We owe it to our company and our customers to maintain that great team and hold on to the great ones. And, and ultimately, the other side of that is if we've got someone who doesn't fit, we owe it to the rest of our team to manage those out. We have to get them out of our company if they don't fit our company culture and values because we're setting the we're setting the stage or setting the example. And if you've got someone in your organization who's not owning up or not stepping up and doing all the right things for us, the rest of your team is watching. And they're looking at that and saying, hey, you know what, if that person can get away with doing three quarters of the job, well, guess what? Then why am I doing 100% if they're not? It's not fair to me to do that. And, and that's just human nature, right? Some folks look at it differently than others will, but ultimately we have to own that process and we have to do that. We, we have to have great processes and procedures. We have to create accountability to do that. And, and by the way, accountability goes both ways. That there's a little give and take to that in that, I'm going to let you know what the expectations of your role are, but I expect you to hold me accountable to what I said I would do also. You know, that goes both ways. And that's our, that's having our one-on-one -on -one meetings and, and getting to know them personally and know what their goals are and what their desires are. And how do we, how do we fit together to make that happen with it is a huge part of that. And, and I will encourage everybody too who's listening. Um, 
when you do this, if you're not doing one-on-ones yet, because that's a huge part of retention is, is getting to know your team personally and have those one-on-ones. And if you've never done them before, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable the first couple times you do it because you're going to start asking personal questions because I want to get to know what does, what does drive my employees. And, and I promise you, they do want to tell you. They do want you to know what makes them tick. They want you to know what they want out of the company and why and, and how are we going to get there from here to do it. So don't be afraid. Even if you haven't, if, uh, if you've got employees that have been with you for whether it's a month or, or 10 years and you've never done a formal one-on-one, it's okay. Just start the process and know that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable the first time, but I promise you it will get better and it will pay huge dividends. Yeah, no, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that as, as a manager myself. And it's interesting. I'm also involved in BDR's Leadership Academy. And one of the things we've been talking about there recently is just the power of conversation to lead to connection with someone. And that mm. as a, and I think it's getting to this one-on-one meeting that you're having is that it's really a chance to establish not just a you know, what we're doing, you know, what's the next task, you know, how do you have what you need to complete your job, but to develop that personal connection that kind of goes beyond, it's like a binding force, you know, beyond just the job that we do. If we know one another and like each other and get along and have shared values, it kind of glues us all together in this retention thing. And you've talked about you talk about employee engagement all the time. We've done a podcast episode on that. Mm-hmm. It, it all kind of fits together. You know, if we, if we can get them engaged and we can have these meetings and be personally connected to them, we're going to have much better retention. So I think there's a lot that goes into this um, that we're going to get to today. Well, and, and, and it's hard to leave an environment that you know and trust because I, I don't know what the next company is going to feel like. And, and even if someone comes to me and says, hey, we have all these great things and they you know they, they do the dance to try to recruit us to come to work for them there's a risk with leaving and, and i want there to be a risk with leaving because i don't want them to i want them to stay with our company and if we create all those things and we do get to know our team one let me rephrase that when we get to know our team personally and we find out what does make them drive and we get to that employee engagement that's a huge part of that because now i'm afraid to leave i don't want to leave I, i'm not staying because i'm afraid to but i'm staying because i want to is what it is because i I don't want to take the risk that the next company may not be everything they said it was. Yeah, absolutely. And I also uh, wanted to circle back to your point, too, on process and procedure, you know, as part of a a manager's and owner's role, that if we have those in place and people know how to do their job and and what to do, that that adds a lot, too, because a lot of times some of the challenges are people don't feel comfortable in what they're being asked to do or they're not it's not clear. Um, on that, can you can you talk a little bit more about that subject? Yes, the the process. There, there's kind of in a nutshell. There's two kinds of personalities, right? There's there's the personality type that will that will literally just stand in the corner and wait until you tell them what to do. Then there's the other personality type that that loves to push buttons, and it's not on purpose. It's that they want to know what the boundaries are, and both those personality types are the same. They both they, we both want to know what are the boundaries. Processes and procedures help us create that. You let me know. Here's the role, and it ties back to, we didn't touch on this yet, but it ties back to position descriptions. Here's the role, here's your responsibilities of the role, here's our processes and procedures of how we make sure you're successful to get that done. So if I know what those are, now I know what the rules are. Now I know how big my sandbox is that I get to play in. 
So now I'm going to play in that. And, and I'm not going to necessarily push boundaries as much when I know what I need to do every day. So those processes and procedures help us do that. The other side of that, though, and it's one of our core values is change is essential. We must always embrace it. And what I mean by that is if someone comes to you with a better way to do it, please listen. Don't be so stuck in our ways and say, nope, that's our process. That's just what we do. Don't do that to your team. If they come to you with a potential solution or something better, listen. And let's try to engage in that and try it. Try it. If it works, awesome. We're going we're gonna to change up how we do things. If it doesn't work, that's okay. We still listen to our team and we empower them to bring us new ideas. So just because we have processes and procedures that are in black and white or in paper or on the computer doesn't mean they're set in stone. We have to be willing to change when, when, when change is necessary. Uh, that, that's such a fantastic point, Chris, because I think that could be a real retention breaker, especially maybe for some of the younger workers today, where if we're not willing to listen to them, at least listen to the idea. If it's great, let's implement it. But if we just shut them down, that's a, that's a big turnoff. And it could lead to them leaving the company because they just see, okay, well, it's never going to change. They're never going to take any input from me. I'm going to go somewhere else that I can uh, have an impact. Absolutely. It's huge. Yes. All right. And so you also mentioned position descriptions as being a, a part of this retention uh, strategy that we're developing. Can you talk a little bit more about what role those play? Yeah. So at BDR, some of our, our, our uh, other coaches have come together and they, and they built out their career advancement program is what we did. And it's able to our BDR family members. And it's a, it's a series of steps of how we get from one position to the next. And the position description ties back to that because it, it lets me know, hey, hey, what's, what's the requirement of today's position? What am I doing today? You know, whether that be a level one service technician or a, or a master installer, right? What, what's the requirements of my role that I'm in today? And then what it also shows us though is, is my successes. How do I know I'm winning and where I, what I'm doing now? But as important to that, or sometimes more importantly is, what's the next steps? What do I need to go, what do I need to do to go from being a level one service tech to a level two, to a level three, to a level four? What are the requirements of that role and how do things change? How do my responsibilities change as I do that? And that position description helps us provide that roadmap. It, it provides the career path for people that, that desire that. And, and some folks are gonna be, hey, you know what, I wanna be a level three service technician forever. And I'm okay with that. As long as there's a spot in organization for that level three tech, then that's a win, right? But, but I want them to know if you do want to go from that level three to a level four, here's what it takes to get there. But here's the responsibilities you need to do today to make sure you're successful in your current role. To me, it, it creates a vision for that person of where they can go at the company. And it's not just like this blur <laughs> in front of them. You know, well, I do this job and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any vision for the, my future here, but Go ahead. So, and if I don't have a position description that that's in writing for both of us to sign off on, right? Because again, it creates mm -hmm. accountability going both ways. If I don't have that position description, either as the owner or as the employee, how do I know if I'm successful? How do I know that I'm really doing what you wanted me to do if you didn't put it in writing to me? And, and, and Barry used to always say, verbal communication is non-communication. And when it comes to a position, you had better put it in writing because I want that person to know what it takes to be successful, but ultimately I want them to know what are my true expectations. And, and if we don't put that in writing and we don't come to an agreement on it, 
we're setting one or the other up for failure as opposed to success. And I don't want to do that. That that makes tons of sense. And really, if you're somewhere, you know what you're being asked to do, you know how you succeed, and then you can be successful. Why would you ever want to leave that place? <laughs> it, exactly. It ties right back to our retention process, right? It's what we want to do. So It's real interesting, Chris. In our conversation so far, there's one big thing we haven't even touched on yet, which maybe people were expecting when they when they tuned into the retention episode we haven't talked about pay at all <laughs> it, well and, and and pay is definitely a factor there, there's no doubt about that we we have to be competitive in our marketplace we don't necessarily have to pay you know ten dollars more than everybody else an hour does right i i want to be towards the top one to three in my marketplace i, I certainly don't want to be at the bottom but pay is definitely a factor in it but it's not number one there's a lot of surveys that get done with, with exiting employees and they'll use the excuse of, hey, I'm leaving for two bucks an hour. Well, something else drove them to start looking. Money became the final excuse. That's the excuse they gave us. And sometimes it's the excuse they give themselves to leave, but it's definitely a factor in it, but, it, but it's not number one. But again, we have to be competitive. It doesn't mean that we can pay at the bottom of our marketplace and just hope for the best. We, we, we still have to pay great wages and have great benefits and, and we're starting to see, and just so everybody's aware, pay is one thing, right? Because it's how we all eat and it's how we pay for fuel and all the things that we do in our personal lives. But the benefits side of things is becoming a bigger, probably a bigger driver. And, and we say benefits, a lot of us think, oh, okay, that's just health insurance. Well, 25-year-olds don't care about health insurance. And, and, and they don't. When I was 25, I thought I was, you know, could do anything, thought I was Superman, I was never going to get hurt. So insurance wasn't a matter to me, but certainly now, with, with especially with the younger generation of folks coming into our organizations, the benefit is time off. And I, I, I sat through a graduation ceremony not too long ago when my niece graduated from high school and the, the principal said, you know, time is currency, be wise on how you spend it. And, and that was really powerful and really resonated with me because people want time off, right? There used to be a live to work. Well, now it's we work to live. And, and that's hard for uh, some of us in the older generations to, to, to fathom that. But time off is becoming a bigger benefit to people sometimes than even pay is. And, and we have to think about it in a different fashion, too, and be ready for that conversation. Yeah, I think you really hit on something there, Chris. And as you know, here at BDR, I work with a lot of younger workers, millennials, even Gen Z workers. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there that they have brought in a different perspective to the workplace about the time and you 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 mentioned time off vacation i would add to it flexibility in schedule having not that they have a different schedule every day but being able when they have a doctor's appointment or if they've got a child and and they've got to go meet with the school being having enough flexibility to allow for that when we can, you can't, doesn't always work out. Um, but the more we can do that, the more they, they feel like th this is a home for them because they're being appreciated and, and acknowledge their, their needs even beyond just the traditional quote unquote work needs that some of us, uh, older folks like you and I are a little bit <laughs> that that's, that's what we focused on in the workplace. Yes. And, and it is a huge part of that. And you're right, man. We, being flexible doesn't mean that we give in every single time. Sometimes the answer might be, I'm sorry, no, we can't do that, but yeah. here's why, right? But communicate that back to them. But if, 
But when, as I do my one-on-ones and when I do those and I get to know my team more personally and they get to know me more personally, it makes those conversations a lot easier to happen. And, and there's a trust that gets built from that. And I also know too that we have a lot of, uh, a lot of family members, a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast that are, maybe they only have one or two service technicians today. And they're looking at that and going, you know what? I can't be flexible. If I told the customer we're gonna be there at 8 a.m., I need to be there at 8 a.m. And I definitely understand that. And it's another reason we want to grow our organizations is because as we grow, we can create more flexibility. So in the beginning, it is hard and it it is a little bit painful, but I want to let my team know that, hey, look, as we grow, we allow us to do these kind of things, you know, but it does mean we can be so regimented in everything we do, because again, that creates that retention. And, and I want to hold on to people to do that. And it's, and like I said, as we get bigger, it does allow us more flexibility. That's for sure. So my next question, Chris, and we've kind of been, I think, getting into some of this, but what are some ways to improve retention that, that just go beyond how much we pay someone? What are some of those things that are out there? Well, I'm, I'm going to encourage everybody to go back to listen to the employee engagement podcast that, that you and I did a while back. That, because employee engagement is a huge asset. And it, it, in a nutshell, though, it, it's, it's letting our, our employees know that their values match ours and that they're a part of something bigger. Most of us have egos, right? And we, and we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to be a part of something that accelerates us. And I want to know that what I do matters. And that, that's a huge part of, the, of, of retention that goes well above and beyond paying benefits is what I do matters. And, and my values matter and who I am matters. And that, you know, it's really, no pun intended, but it's a really cool job that when we get to walk in someone's house in July, when we got there, it was hot. When I left, it was cooling, right? So there's, what I do does matter. And, and as an employer, doing my one-on-ones and getting to know my team, I want them to know that I genuinely care about you. And, and again, what we do is hard work. And, you know, it, 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 uh, I, I live in Denver and I think we were, weekend was up in the nineties, but my attic was probably 115 degrees, probably hotter than that. So it, so I, but I need to let my team know that, yes, I know what we do is hard. I know where you work. It's hot up there but I care and I need to make sure that they know that and then it's okay to take a break periodically and it's okay and you had better stop periodically and get something cold to drink and, and do those things, but let them know that we care because it, they are human beings at the end of the day and, and we have to have an awareness of what's going on and let them know that and let them know that, yep, it's hot right now, it is July and it's gonna be okay because you know what, in two more months, it's gonna start cooling off again and right now is our busy season and I promise it gets hot every year. We're going to be all right. We're, we're going to get through this. And, and, and having that culture is a big part of that. And letting them know, just showing appreciation is a really big part. Of it. A, a heartfelt thank you goes a really long way towards people wanting to be a part of your team. I, I totally agree with that appreciation point. And, and don't make it a throwaway thank you either. You know, kind of toss it out and walk away. I, I think it's exactly what you said. It's got to be heartfelt. And it, it ties back to some of that, what we were talking about earlier on, on this conversation, personal connection point of a one-on-one -on -one meeting, the, the thank you should be like that too. You know, it, it should be real and, and meaningful and, and, you know, pack some punch. People can see through fake very, very quickly. And, and, and if it's not real and if it is a fake thank you, you just pretty much told me exactly what you think about me. You just let me know that you really don't care. And, and I don't want to be a part of that. It makes me think of a, of a story, quick story here, too. Where you mentioned Barry Burnett, uh, BDR co-founder. Um, there's a story he told when he was uh, in business as a dealer. In the busy service time of the year, 
he would often just ride along with the technicians as they were working these extra hours. You know, at this point, he's the president of a large dealership. You know, he's got a lot of technicians working for him. And he was willing to go out in the field and work with them. And they were like, hey, yeah, boss, uh, we don't really need you in the field, but uh, we appreciate the support. And so he would just go along and ride with them just to give them that feeling of, yeah, hey, I'm in this with you too. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm going to be right alongside you, even in these busy times, which I was always really impressed by that. That's huge. To, it, it's empathy, right? I, I may not be able to do everything you can do, but I'm certainly going to let you know I appreciate what you do. Yeah, to show appreciation. That, that's that's beautiful, Chris. I want to go to something that we kind of got into a little bit, but I think there's some some more to it, perhaps. Earlier, we were talking about position descriptions and how that those can impact retention because people see, okay, this is how I can be successful in this job. It's clear to me now what I need to do here to win. You mentioned at that time career paths that they should tie to position descriptions. Can you maybe dive into a career path and what it might look like for a specific position? Well, a career path, and, and, and I try to look at multiple definitions of this, so I kind of built my own. We always build working definitions as our classes, so my working definition is a, a career path, is a, it's a long-term plan that includes a series of steps or job positions that allow us to achieve our short, and long-term personal and career goals. So that's that's my working definition of that. It's, it's a plan that lays out the series of steps for me to get from point A to point B or D or E, whatever, however far I want to go within the organization is, is what we're showing with that. And the impact of it is it's a huge impact because I, I think a lot of us, again, we're recording this in July of, of 2022. Last roughly September of 2021, there was, there was a phenomenon that started called the Great Resignation. People are leaving jobs in mass to do this. And, and it's kind of still going on today. But one of the big things that, that people were finding out of exit interviews from that was about 30% of people who quit their job during that time frame said the reason they left was because they didn't see a future for themselves at their current employer, which means no one had ever sat down with them and showed them the vision, right, of where we're going as an organization. But bigger than that is, is how am I a part of that? And what's my role and responsibility in getting there? Well, that position description allows me to show them what it takes for them to be a part of that vision. And I owe it to them to show them that. It, again, doing my one-on-ones and my employee engagement, I find out what drives them. I find out what are their personal goals. Well, my job as a, as a manager, in fact, my only job as a manager is to remove roadblocks and make sure my team is successful. To do that is I have to know what those are. And I have to have that position description in place so that they know, hey, here's the steps you need to do today to be successful, and here's what you need to do tomorrow to get to the next position. Yeah, and I love that definition of career paths. You know, it's a, and I'll, I'll shorten it here a little bit. But having a long-term plan that includes steps to get to your ultimate career goals. The only thing I might add to that is that it's a it's a mutually beneficial process. In that career paths, we may think, oh, it's just oh, that's for the employee. Yeah, they're the one that's going to be making more money and getting a better job. Not so fast. You know, it, it's hugely important for the, the company as well. And it goes back to this retention piece because we know if they're advancing in our company, building their skills are going to deliver better service to our customers. They're going to be more valuable employee for us. And they're going to stick around because they're going to want to go on this journey with us. 
Absolutely. And, and, and Matt, thank you for that. I, I, I love that you did that. And, and actually, I wrote that down, that it is a mutually beneficial relationship. Because if, when I bring you into the organization, we, like in our own personal lives, and we all have to be very aware of this, is that we're constantly recruiting. Right? We, it, it's very hard to find um, experienced technicians, field professionals as a whole that fit our values sometimes. So what we need to be doing is constantly recruiting. We're constantly being aware of who we're interacting with in our, in our own personal lives. And when I find someone with the right attitude and the right aptitude, I wanna grab them and bring them into organization to do that with. And, and it is, and it, when I bring them in in the beginning, they're a little bit of an overhead expense to us because they, maybe they don't know anything about HVAC. And I'm gonna train them to do that, but that career path shows them that. And you're right, it is mutually beneficial because as they get better, they generate revenue and they generate more revenue. They do it at a great margin, which more than pays back that initial investment that we had in in that in the beginning of training. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that you want to invest in things that will um, compound over time. And, and one of those things, you know, that's not just the stock market. You know, that's one of them. It's also in people. And if you invest in people, that investment will compound. The relationship will compound. The return you get the the value that that person has and then that relationship you'll have with them will compound too so it's worth investing in people and that's really i think if we had to maybe boil it down to one major thing being willing to invest in your people it, that's going to help your retention yeah that, that's probably the greatest roi we could have is, is investing in our people and and i know there's a concern you know the old adage of well what if i train them and they leave well, what if I don't train them and they stay right now? I'm getting behind the curve from the rest of my competition. I, I don't get to have that swagger and being that employer of choice. Training is a reward for people. And that allows us to become that employer of choice to do that. And they stick around because they know there's bigger and better things coming. Yeah, right on. Chris, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Another one for you on our, our podcast here. So uh, I really appreciate you uh, doing this. Can, do you have any final thoughts on uh, improving employee retention you want to share? Don't give up. Um, <laughs> you know, we've all had people that we've invested in and, and ended up leaving anyway. And that's okay. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. Sometimes it's the personalities that just don't match. But but don't give up. Keep doing it. Keep driving your existing team to, to be winners and to, and to want to win to do that. And uh, and it will pay huge dividends at the end of the day. And and, and be around people you want to be around. You know? And that doesn't mean hire people just like you. Be willing to, to kind of stretch your own limits. And, and uh, this was something I had to learn was that don't be afraid to hire better and smarter than you because that actually helps drive retention even more because it shows change and it shows willingness to grow and learn. Wahoo. Again, fantastic job, Chris. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. All right. We will do it again. And for those listening, thank you and tune in next time.